Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Today, we're starting a brand new series that we're calling How to Live Through a Bad Day. I don't know if you've ever had a bad day. In fact, has anybody ever had a bad day? Ever, ever. Anybody ever had a bad day? Okay, if your hand is not up right now, I, please, I would I schedule a, a coffee with me today, like this week. I would love to hear the secret. Um, but how many of you have had a bad day, like maybe this week? Anybody had a bad day this week? Anybody sitting beside your bad day? Do not, do not put your hand, put your hands down, okay? Um, but but here, here's what I know about bad days. They're coming. We've all had, like, we've all had them. We're all going to continue to have them. Bad days are going to happen. I'm not here to be negative. I'm not here to be pessimistic, but I'm here to be a realist. And that, that even, even the Bible says, like, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And so bad days, they're going to happen. They happen to everyone. Nobody in this room is exempt from bad days happening. So the question is, how do we get through them? How can we get through our bad days in a way that honors God, in a way that doesn't crumble us? How can we get through bad days? And in this series, we're going to be looking specifically at one bad day that Jesus had. And we actually call that day Good Friday. It's the day that Jesus was arrested, put on trial, and he was executed and hung on a cross. And we call it Good Friday, but the truth is it wasn't good for him. In fact, It was only good for us. It was one of the most brutal days in human history. And the amazing thing is if you read through that day, which is actually documented in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, it shows that while Jesus was on the cross, after a really, really brutal, hard day, that while hanging on the cross, those four books of the Bible they actually talk about seven different statements that Jesus made on the cross. And so in this series, we're gonna take a look at those seven statements. And we're gonna go all the way, the seven weeks leading up to Easter, which by the way, will be the biggest, awesome, biggest celebration and party because our Jesus is not dead. He's not in a grave, he is alive. And so we're gonna celebrate that in seven weeks and it's going to be the biggest party of the year. But we're going to look at these seven statements, and we're going to realize that not only was Jesus paying for our sins by dying on the cross, but he was also teaching us some very practical life lessons of how you and I can actually live through our bad day. And our theme verse for this series is going to be Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, and we'll probably read it in a lot of translations throughout this series, but here it is from the message, and I love how, how this translation of the Bible puts this verse. It says, keep your eyes, not on your problems, not on your bad days, not on all the negative, but let's keep our eyes on, everybody say it with me, Jesus. Let's do that again. Everybody say it with me, keep your eyes on Jesus, awesome, who both began and finished the race. I love it that he just didn't begin it really well, like he finished it. He finished this race that we're in. We're in the same one, this thing called life. And he had good days and he had bad days, but he began it and he finished it. 
And then I love this statement, study how he did it. Study how he had his bad days. Study what it was like for him. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. He was on mission, he was focused. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. Study how he did it. And Lauren mentioned this earlier, but we have 10 very unique values that we have. And our values, to me, it really answers this question, what makes us, what makes our church uniquely us? There's a lot of amazing churches that are in our city, but we believe that there's a unique expression that's in our heart, and that's why we started this church. And we have 10 values. It's kind of what I feel like is our DNA, it's, and it helps kind of filter our decisions. And, and if you look anywhere at our values, anywhere, from online to signs that we have that have our 10 values on it, you'll see this one as the very first one, and that's for a reason. And you'll see this value that Jesus is our message. And so if you're new around here, you need to know that we love Jesus. We unapologetically talk about Jesus a lot. And, um, and, and, we, and here's why. Because we believe that the church is built on Jesus by Jesus and for Jesus. Therefore, the focus of everything that we do as a church should be on Jesus. Now, here's the thing that's very important, that when we talk about Jesus is our message, that means that our message is not self-help. That means that our message is not my opinion or the opinion of somebody else. That our message is, and it always will be, Jesus. That's our commitment, because Jesus is our message. And in Hebrews chapter 12, talking about Jesus, it says, study how he did it. Study how he lived life. Study how he had bad days. And if you read through Luke chapter 23, and you read a little bit of Luke 22, and you read through those two chapters, you'll see this awful day that Jesus had. And actually on the night before that day, he died on the cross. He was betrayed by one of the people that was closest to him, one of his disciples. And one of the people that was closest to him led a group of people that came, that arrested him in the middle of the night, that went and put him on, on three different trials in front of two different governments all throughout the night, which by the way was illegal. You couldn't do that back in the day. You couldn't have trials at night, but they were trying to get through it as fast as they could so that they could get to their bottom line. And he experiences these, these two trials and he was sentenced to be executed, hung on a cross. And along the way to that death, he experienced a brutal day. He was tortured. He was beat. He was hit. He was whipped. He was slapped. He was spit on. He was mocked. He was made fun of. He was humiliated. He was embarrassed. And they made a crown of thorns in a way to mock him. And they took this crown of thorns and they shoved it on his head. And after they did that, they beaten, broken Jesus was made to carry a big, heavy wooden cross to the place where he would be executed. And he was so exhausted and to the point of exhaustion. And then when he finally got there, they took his hands and his feet they put him on the cross, and then they took big nails, 
And instead of tying him to the cross, they nailed him to the cross, experiencing incredible amount of pain. Talk about a bad day. And right after he was lifted up on the cross, and he said the very first thing while he was on the cross, and most scholars believe this was the very first thing that came out of his mouth as soon as they raised that cross up. And he says this in verse 34 of Luke chapter 23. He says, Father, forgive them. Think about what Jesus went through. And the very first thing he said is, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus right here is teaching us a very important lesson. And and here's kind of what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes. That when you're going through a bad day, and here's the title if you want to write this down, if you're taking notes. When you're going through a bad day, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. And in this one sentence in Luke chapter 23, Jesus communicates this beautiful principle that we can all apply into our lives when we're having our hard days that forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. And here's what I know. Oh no, I'm talking about forgiveness. And there's some of you that just like, you just got that feeling in your stomach. It's like, I don't want to go there today. And I get it. I get it. But I can tell you this. We are here not to play church. We're here to let God speak to us. And here's what I love about God. He'll never do it through condemnation. He'll always do it through conviction. And condemnation, Romans 8, 1 says, there's no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. So if there's any condemnation that you feel, as soon as we start talking about this topic, know that it is not from God. No guilt, no shame, no regret. But God will give you conviction. And that conviction is always leading to positive change. And that's what I believe God wants to do here in your life, in my life today. Anybody up for that? But here's what I know. I need to pray, okay? We need God up in here to talk about this, okay? So let's pray. Let's invite him in, okay? God, we invite you. We don't want to go through the motions. We invite you right now. And we give you permission to do whatever you want to do over the next few minutes. Speak to us. We love you. It's through Jesus we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, here's something that I believe. I believe that church should be the like, safest place to talk about anything. So it's a place where you can be real. It's a place where you can be authentic. You can take off the mask. And so in the spirit of authenticity, how many of you by a show of hands have ever had a hard time forgiving somebody? Anybody, just by a show of hands, let's see who we're working with here. Okay, that's awesome. That's good. You can lean in for the next few minutes. Uh, the, the truth is, we, we, we all have. There's all been times in our life where we've experienced that. And I came across this story from England in the 17th century, where the king at the time, his name was King Charles I. And at the time, there was this group of people that thought that the government wasn't doing the right thing, and so they made a choice to kind of to revolt against the government that, because they were being treated unjustly and unfairly, and they were able to successfully overthrow the government. 
And they put the king at the time, King Charles I, on trial. And when they put the king on trial, 59 men were responsible for signing a document that led to him being executed for treating the people of England unjust and unfair. Well, the problem is these group of revolutionaries, they only stayed in charge for 11 years before the old government, the Royalist Party, came back and took control back of the government. And when they took back control, they put his son, King Charles, very creative, the second in charge. And the very first thing that he did once he got declared king is he started looking for those 59 people. And so he said, I want to find the 59 people that signed that document that sent my dad to his death. And he took all those and he put them through a trial for treason, found them all guilty, and had them all hung. The problem is 15 out of the 59 people were already dead. And so when the king found out about that, he was like, okay, that's not good enough. So he made a decision to dig up the decomposing bodies from the grave. And he took those smelly, gross, nasty, decomposing corpses, and he put them in a courtroom and put them on trial. What do you have to say for yourself? Nothing? Okay. And he found those dead corpses guilty of treason and had them hung too. Talk about digging up the past. And it's really a radical picture of what could happen on the inside of us if we don't learn to deal with forgiveness the right way. And Jesus in Luke chapter 23, he says, hey guys, on your hardest day, when you've experienced hurt and pain, Forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. And I don't know about you, but I believe that there's some people in this world that have the spiritual gift of ruining my life. They literally go to step two of our growth track where you can discover your purpose and they take their personality tests and their spiritual gifts assessment. And some of you, you have the gift of prayer and some of you have the gift of encouragement or hospitality, but there's very few people that get that gift that says, I have the gift of ruining Brian's life, you know? And there's certain people that, that, I mean, that absolutely drive me crazy. Maybe you have those people in your life. And I'm convinced that one of the hardest things for a human being to do, one of the hardest things near the top of the list is to truly forgive somebody who's hurt them. I think it's one of the hardest things for you and I to ever do because it's so much easier not to forgive. It's so much easier not to go there. But the truth is that we have to realize that unforgiveness, it doesn't destroy the other person. It destroys us. Because I think it's so easy for us to think, well, as long as I don't forgive, it's actually hurting the other person. But the truth is, it doesn't. It doesn't affect them at all. But it absolutely ruins our life. I've heard it said that, that like unforgiveness is like drinking poison and then expecting the other person to die. That's why, for me, I absolutely, I agree with you that forgiveness is really hard. I think it's one of the hardest things for you and I to do, but forgiveness is not always easy, but it is always right. I understand it's not easy, but it is always, in every circumstance, the right thing to do. 
And if anybody had the right to hold a grudge or to be bitter, to take offense, to not forgive, it was Jesus on this day. Because on this day, he personally experienced betrayal from some of the closest people to him. He experienced false accusation. And he had all these people that were telling him all these things and saying that he had done all these things that he hadn't done. And I think probably the hardest thing in that moment was that nobody came to his defense. The people that had been rolling with him for three years, none of them stepped up and said, hey, that's not true. That's not the Jesus that I've been with for three years. So he faced this false accusation. He faced rejection. He faced incredible abuse, he, like like. Physical abuse, emotional abuse, he, he, he faced humiliation. I mean, like, really, really hard things. And I think about, like, why did he have to go through all those things? Why did he have to experience that at that level? And then I love what Hebrews chapter 2 says, where it says in verse 17 and 18, it says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. He had to, into every detail of human life. Then... When he came before God as a high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, all the bad days, and would be able to help where help was needed. In other words, that whatever you're going through, Jesus understands. And listen, church, that is really, really good news. Jesus understands that there's nothing that you and I can experience or go through or have happen to us where Jesus doesn't look and say, yep, I get it. Jesus understands. And he says, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. But I think a lot of times we have this false and we buy into lies of what forgiveness is. And so some of you, you may even be sitting there right now, you're like, man, I, I get it. But what I think it is, I don't know if I can do that. So let me just put some of the myths to bed, okay? Because forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying that what happened to you was okay. Because it's not. It's not saying that what was said or what was done, that all of that now is just okay. Because it's not. It's not saying that what happened wasn't a big deal. Because it absolutely was a big deal. And we're not trying to minimize anything. It's not saying that it didn't hurt. And so now it's just like, okay, just pick yourself up by the bootstraps and just keep going because at the end of the day, just get over it. It didn't hurt. No, it hurt. It was very real. And it hurt a lot. So forgiveness, it's not minimizing the seriousness of the, the offense. And here's what it's also not. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. It's not making that relationship right. So for some of you, you're like, but you don't understand what happened to me. You don't understand what was done to me. And so you're telling me I got to get right with that person? No, I'm not. See, because reconciliation, it takes both parties. Put it this way, reconciliation is a two-player game. It requires both parties. But forgiveness, it's a one-player game. You can control that. And it's what I decide regardless of what you do. And, and listen, if you require reconciliation for forgiveness, if that's like a prerequisite, if you have in your mind that that's what it takes for forgiveness, then you're holding yourself hostage to the person who hurt you.
That means they determine how free you get, not God. And what I know is that forgiving those who hurt you is the key to not being permanently victimized by them. That when you forgive those who hurt you, who disappoint you, it's actually the key to you not being permanently a victim to what happened to you. So forgiveness is not reconciliation. Here's the last thing. Forgiveness is not about doing what's fair. It's not about what's fair. Because some of you, you may be like, but what happened to me, that's not fair. And you're right, it's not. But trust me, we don't want to do fair. We don't. Because if we go the fair route, then we have to pay for our own sins. And we can't. And there's, because there's nothing fair about Jesus paying for my sins, something I did. I don't want fair. And forgiveness is about giving people what they deserve. Is, I'm sorry, is not, is not about getting, giving people what they deserve. It's about giving them what they need. And so I found this quote from C.S. Lewis. He's a brilliant author. And he says this, to be Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. It's not fair. And forgiveness isn't about doing what's right and what's fair. So the question is, how? How do we practically forgive? Like, what do I do? What could I do from here to be able to practically forgive? Because I think it's a, it's a great, like, mind shift and something to think about, but it's like, how do I actually walk that out in my everyday life? And I want to give you two very practical things that you can do starting today, steps that you can do, but here's the warning. Nothing inside of you will want to do them. Nothing. There will be no part of you that, that, want, that desires, okay, I desire to do that. No, I promise you, nobody is going to want to do. You will never feel like doing these things. But I don't know about you. I don't want to be somebody who's constantly led by my feelings. I don't. Like our choices lead and then our feelings follow. And forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. And so here's what I know. You won't want to do this. You won't feel like doing this. But you'll never know these things work until you try them. Here's the first one. You ready? Pray for them. Oh, I don't want to pray for them. Pray for them. The very first thing that I tell somebody when they come to me after they've been hurt, after they've been treated wrong, unjust, the first thing I tell them, I say, start praying for them. Pray for them. And listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. It says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I'm good with that, okay? But then he says, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm praying for them, all right. I'm praying that they experience every single curse and Old Testament plague that's out there. By the way, a lot of you take notes, and I love it, um, but do not write this in your notes, okay? 
Because most of the time, every time I put something on the screen, I see heads and you're writing down, especially if it's scripture. So I'm going to bring a scripture that I read earlier this year that I just think is funny right here because it's like, this is my verse for that person, okay? It says this in Psalm 37. It says, arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God, slap all my enemies in the face, shatter the teeth of the wicked, you know? That's my verse this year, okay? praying that. I'm praying that, Pastor. No, no, that's not what we mean. We're not talking about shattering teeth and slapping people in the face, you know. I don't even know how God would do that, okay? But, but, but we're talking about literally going before God and saying, God, I make the choice. I don't feel like it, but I make the choice right now to forgive, to let him go, take him off the hook, I make the choice to forgive, and I, I pray for them, pray for their family, pray for their future. I recognize how much you love them, God, that you love them just as much as you love me, that you sent your son for them just like you sent your son for me, that Jesus' blood covers their sins just like it covers my sins, and I ask that you speak to them today. I ask that you, that you help them. I ask that you help them be closer to you today than ever before. And I pray for them. Change their life. If you do that, your prayers, listen, it may never change them. But it will change you. Praying like that, it will shift something in your heart. And it may never change them, but it will change you. Because it's impossible to hate someone when you're praying for them. And so, first thing you can do pray for them. And the second one, we got to take it up a notch. Bless them. Oh, I can feel the pushback in the room right now. I I might pray for them. I don't know about that second part. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. It says, "But but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And so not only do we pray for them, we take it up a notch and we bless them. And if you study the Greek, the original language, right there where it says bless, that word literally means to speak well of. To speak well of. So everywhere you go, to speak well of that person. Meaning, I refuse to say anything negative about them publicly or privately. I will say I will only bless them to their face and behind their back. So we got to pray for them. We got to bless them. And I want to make sure that you get and understand that that has zero interaction with that person. And I intentionally did that. Because I didn't want you to feel like, I've got to go out of here and I've got to go have a conversation. If God leads you, do it. But I guarantee you, all of us can walk out of this room and pray and bless. So forgiveness is not something that for the majority of my life, like I I didn't really struggle with that the majority of my life. I've always been able to kind of let things roll, roll off and kind of move forward. But a few years ago, out of nowhere, and I think that's when a lot of times this comes in is when we don't see something coming. 
and I was broadsided by some news that was really bad. And that news, it really, on the inside, it made me feel very rejected, passed over. It made me feel betrayed, like I was deceived. And honestly, probably more than anything, when that happened, it made me more embarrassed than anything. And it like humiliated me is what I felt like. And I, I truthfully knew instantly I need to start forgiving. I need to, I need to do these things. Why? Because I've preached about it before. And I've studied this. And I've presented messages like this to people for the last decade and a half. And it's like, I know I should do that, but truthfully, I didn't want to. And I couldn't. I felt like I couldn't. I don't know if you've been hurt to that point where it's like, I know the right thing, but I'm choosing not to do it. And I felt that. And for six months, I carried around unforgiveness that negatively affected, I'm not joking, every single area of my life. It affected my attitude like crazy. It took and it robbed me of joy. Like the things that made me happy weren't making me happy anymore. Um, it, 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 really, it really robbed me of fulfillment. The things that were left me fulfilled all of a sudden weren't making me fulfilled. It affected every single relationship I had, my friends, my family, every single way that I interacted with people. I felt like I couldn't trust people. I felt like I couldn't open myself up so I wasn't as honest, I wasn't as vulnerable during that six months. And then not only that, it affected my health. In our whole, like we're, we're about to celebrate and you can clap at this. Uh, hey girl, what's up? Um, this May, we actually celebrate 15 years of marriage. Come on. Worked hard at that. I'll receive all that. Come on. Not just it's all for her. It's all for you. It's all for you. They're all clapping for you. I've been to the hospital twice in our 15 years, right? Both were in those six months. Affected every area of my life. And then the next January, so it was during 21 days of prayer and fasting, which we do as a church. We did it this past January. We'll do it this next January. We'll take 21 days. We'll set them aside just to get close to God and to pray. And for that 21 days, I was preparing what I was going to pray for and kind of think about what I was doing. And my wife, Heather, who is, by the way, way more spiritual, way closer to God, loves Jesus so much. Her voice is often the Holy Spirit's voice to me. Um, and she said, I think you need to pray for that person every day during 21 days of prayer. I was like, I do not want to do that. But I did. Where I, honestly, I wanted to get a voodoo doll and just start stabbing. That's what I want to do for 21 days, not pray. Oh, by the way, I don't believe in that. Please don't email me, okay? I don't. Oh, my gosh. What type of church is this? No, 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 no. Joking. Okay. But I did. I decided, okay, for these 21 days, I'm going to pray every day. I would every day, God, I pray for that person. Would you bless them? And at first it was like, I was just praying through gritted teeth. God, I just pray that you would bless them. 
That's it. That's all I got in me. (laughs) The more I prayed, the more my heart got softened. And at the end of that 21 days, and you need to hear this, there wasn't reconciliation. But I was different. My heart was different. I wasn't carrying around this baggage of unforgiveness that was affecting every single area of my life. And I was able to move forward. I wasn't stuck anymore. By no means was it easy. By no means. It was not easy. But it was right. And here's what I know. I know that talking about a topic like this, it stirs up a lot of things on the inside of us. It's almost like a magnifying glass if there's anything that shouldn't be the way that it, that it should be in re- relationally. And I understand that it could, this has the potential to touch a lot of nerves. And for some of you, when you think about your situation, it seems like forgiveness is impossible. But I want to encourage you today at church that forgiveness is possible. That forgiveness is doable. And I know that because of what God has already done for us and how he has forgiven us. I love that Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, it says he, talking about God, he's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, it says you were dead. That's past tense. That means something has changed. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. How? For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross on Jesus's hardest day. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you and I have been completely totally and fully forgiven, past, present, and future. And here's the truth. That type of forgiveness, you and I will never have to forgive anybody more than God has already forgiven us. Like the amount of forgiveness that God has already given to you, you'll never have to forgive somebody more than that. But here's what I know. You can't, you can't truly extend forgiveness until you experience forgiveness. That you have to experience it. And once you experience it, everything changes. Because then you can extend it to other people. Because here's why that's so important. Because you can't give what you don't have. You can't. There's a lot of things, if you were to come to me right now and say, hey, I need this. And if I had it, maybe I could give it to you. But there's a lot of things. If you came up to me and said, hey, I need a hundred grand. And let me tell you why and plead your case. And I would love to give you a hundred thousand dollars. But your boy is a pastor. And I don't have a hundred thousand dollars to give you. As much as I want to do. Why? Because I can't give you what I don't have. And it's going to be very challenging for you to extend forgiveness if you've never experienced forgiveness. That's why you need to write down this principle and we'll end with this and then we'll pray together. Forgiven people forgive people. 
once you realize what Jesus has done for you and you receive that and you experience that and you realize I'm forgiven, the natural response is I've got to forgive people. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes and just ask right there in this moment, God, what are you speaking to me? What does, what does my response need to be because of today? And one way that we want to lead you in responding, and we do this every single week because we believe it's the most important decision of your life. Except for some of you, maybe you're far from God and you're not close with God. And today you want to start or restart a relationship with God. You want to fully experience the forgiveness that we just talked about. Because it's going to be really hard for you to extend it until you experience it. And so today, if you're here and you want to give your whole life to Jesus, you want to make the decision to follow him, it's the most important decision of your life, it's the best decision of your life. Maybe you've never made that decision before, maybe you have in the past, and you've kind of went off and you've done your own thing and you're far from God, and today, you just want to experience the forgiveness of God and come close to him and to give him your whole life and let everything change. If you want to make that decision today, we're not going to point you out. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to call you to the front. But I would love to pray for you. And so if you're here and you would make and you want to make that decision today, if you would, just boldly, will you raise your hand right now and say, I want to make that decision. I got you. I got you. Got you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah. Got you. It's awesome. Proud of you. Proud of you. Anybody else? That's great. You can put your hands down and just in your heart, pray something like this. Just pray like, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for your forgiveness. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you and I repent. I go, I change my mind. I change my direction. Come live inside of me. Change me. Make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you. And I choose to follow you. And God, right now, I pray, not just for the people that made that decision, but also I pray for my brothers and sisters that have already experienced your forgiveness. But today, your Holy Spirit is speaking to them about extending forgiveness to that person, that relationship, that situation, that hurt, that wound, that offense. And God, right now, I pray that our church will be people that are not just hearers of your word, but that we're doers of your word. God, would you fill us, not just with wisdom to know what's right, because I believe we just heard about 30 minutes of wisdom. And God, I just don't ask for wisdom to know what's right. I pray right now for every person that feels the conviction from you to have the courage to do what's right. Fill us with courage to not play church, to not go through the motions, but to walk out of here and to walk this thing out. God, thank you that not only do you provide for us eternal life, but you provide for us abundant life. That literally walking this out, forgiving people, is the best life that we could ever live on planet Earth. And so we buy into it today. And we thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. 
And everybody said, come on, and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 